بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وأقيم الصلاة وآت الزكاة صدق الله العظيم وقال ابن عطاء الله لما علم الحق منك وجود الملل لون لك الطاعات وعلم ما فيك من وجود الشر وعلم ما فيك من وجود الشره فحجرها عليك في بعض الأوقات ليكون همك إقامة الصلاة لا وجود الصلاة فما كل مصل مقيم These are words of great profundity because he's really getting to the core of the institution of salat so he says since Allah knows of the existence of weariness on your part weariness boredom then he has varied the acts of obedience for you and since he knows of the existence of impulsiveness in you he has limited them to a specific to specific times so that your concern be with the performance of the ritual prayer not with the existence of the ritual prayer for not everyone who prays performs well or literally translating فَمَا كُلُّ مُصَلِّنْ مُقِيمٌ not everybody who who is seen as a performer of prayer is one who is establishing that prayer <clears throat> so this is what we're going to be trying to understand because it's full of fawaid it's full of subtle benefits that inshallah will hope to focus our worship we've spoken about this before that salat is one of the most important worships and that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen that among all the other worships like fasting and hajj and everything else though by their very nature they're difficult to do every day in salat by its very nature is easier to do but there are also other types of adhkar and uh, awrad and uh, other forms of remembrance that could have been uh, done every day and could have been obligated every day many times a day but it's salat that is obligated many times a day <coughs> And then not only is it obligated many times a day in two, four, three rak'ats, but there's also accompanying uh, number of rak'ats that are also encouraged with it, uh, just so that it shows that there's a particular importance and a particular benefit. If we believe in the verse in the Qur'an, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرَ Though that's come uh, with the verses of fasting, <clears throat> which is also a form of worship which is only once a year <coughs> as an obligation and if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying there that he wants ease for you and not difficulty for you and if that is the case with a once a year fast obligation then this verse should certainly apply even more so to salat if people are finding that difficult so in fasting, people may have found that difficult, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned it there. He preempted that point. He preempted that criticism, question, that you can say complaint as such, that grievance, and said, look, this is not to create difficulty for you, it's to create ease for you. So if that's the case there, it more so applies even to fasting, uh, to, to prayer, because prayer is five times a day, and not just, you know, a few rak'ats, but a number of rak'ats sometimes. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want difficulty, there's a reason. So if that is the worship that has been chosen for us, 
there's a big reason for that to be chosen. First and foremost, one of the best expressions I have seen and has really benefited me is that Salat for the Arif and for the worshipper is like being invited to a meal, a five course meal with as many types of foods that you can imagine for you to take from. So you'll be given this to taste first, then you'll do some of this, then you'll do this, then you'll do some of this, then you'll do some of this, and you have time for all of that. So any other form of worship, uh, remembrance that you do, istighfar, salawat, tasbih, takbir, tahleel, etc. They are one form of worship. When it comes to salat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a medley of all of this. It's a collection of all of these things put out in the best way possible to benefit from it. In the sequence that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants it to be heard from us from. So salat is that if somebody can just focus on their salat on every dhikr that's in salat and every posture and every contribution we make in salat, that would be the ultimate dhikr. So then why do we do all of these other adhkar? Well, we do them because it helps us to get our heart ready to make our salat one in which we do have a spiritual ascension and where we can actually really benefit from all of these things that are on offer in salat, which we're made to do, but we don't really, it's almost like we're going to a, a wonderful restaurant. We've been invited to this wonderful, sumptuous, royal meal cooked by the best, you know, best of cooks and chefs. And we go in there because we don't have much time. We quickly go and take a bit here, take a bit here, take a bit here, and then we run off. You have no time to savor. Uh, with food, they say that there is a ceremony with eating. And the more you, you, you do it with ceremony, you'll actually extract more of the flavors and release more of the pleasures from the food. And to be honest, when I heard that, I was a very fast eater and I'm still a very fast eater. And a lot of the time, there's two benefits to eating slowly. One of the benefits is that you will actually taste the food. You will have time to savor it. You'll have time to think about it. Otherwise, it's just a collection of things that you just put in your mouth and our mind is somewhere else. When it comes to food, it's very easy to see where your mind is and where your stomach is because <clears throat> the eyes are greedier than the stomach. And it takes some time for the mind to actually catch up. So if you're feeling hungry and you start eating, you may actually, and you eat fast, you may actually eat up, end up eating more than you really would like to because you don't feel satiated because your mind hasn't caught up the part in you that tells you that you are satisfied now you've eaten enough and when you eat slowly you'll actually notice that if you take a break in between you won't feel like having the second part <clears throat> try it out you'll see you'll see this that's why what i've noticed and it was actually pointed out to me by the family that when i'm on the phone and i'm eating and i'm involved in a heavy conversation on the phone and I'm eating that's the worst time to eat because I'll literally be shoveling food into my mouth and not not stopping and I'll probably finish everything there'll be no barakah as well and then what comes to mind is the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that some fajir people they eat um, what's the wording of the hadith how many in seven of their uh, intestines they, they eat you know, as so many more times because there's no barakah, so it doesn't satiate you. So it has a lot to do with also the way you're eating. And as I mentioned, that there's a <clears throat> there is a, a study that they did about <clears throat> giving people even a piece of carrot to eat, but with ceremony, like 
they told him how to do it sit down cut it up nicely take each piece look at it savor it and they found that that same carrot that you would have just thrown in your mouth and just uh, just crunch through it suddenly became so much more pleasurable to eat so now it makes a lot of sense that <clears throat> if you eat in the proper way three fingers three fingers what it does is that it actually regulates your intake three fingers regularly there's only so much you can take in three fingers it's a bit of a struggle to take in three fingers unless you're eating big pieces of something but generally it takes you know it takes something uh, it takes a while to eat with three fingers so that paces the food if you say subhanallah uh, if you say alhamdulillah bismillah you know you thank allah through it you you do some you know you 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 think about where the food is coming you thank allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it there's going to be a ceremony a spiritual ceremony attached to that anyway <clears throat> now I, we don't necessarily agree with you know like fully like getting so indulgent in the food and so on although i don't think that's a problem as long as we're, we're still eating according to the sunnah but it just gives us an idea that uh, that a lot of the things that we do today in this fast-paced world is is at fault right from the roots you know we we've got defect in it right from the beginning and that's why a lot of the problem that we have happens so if you take all of that in salat it's something that we do every day <clears throat> so this is what is going to explain to us similar kind of thing that salat as i said the best description that i've heard of salat is that it's this medley of the most sumptuous and wonderful forms of worship that the person who truly benefits from dhikr and adhkar is going to find benefit in because he's got all of these different things that he benefits from and then secondly when you have food that has been given to you and prepared according to a particular gastronomical process where they know that this is the best food for you to have at the beginning because for example if you had a certain type of heavy food at the beginning and then you had something else afterwards you're not going to feel the same kind of benefit uh, 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 as you would if you had it in the proper routine uh, for example in Nahlawi's Kitab al-Hadr wal-Ibaha he mentions that it's best to eat fruits at the beginning because they are they're natural they stay well at the bottom of the stomach and so on and so forth so th there's also a procedure of how to eat right in in terms of what to eat first what to eat second and that's what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has laid down in the salat of sharia has laid down in the salat already you start off with the intention etc allahu akbar and then you praise allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to get into it to attract his mercy you do the fatiha you're asking allah for dua for guidance and so on and so forth and you're carrying on like that then of course the the whole point that we can choose any part of the quran you can recite any part of the Quran after the Fatiha. Fatiha is necessary because Fatiha has that special package that Allah wants us to take each time. That is the vitamin portion portion that we have to take. So it's like that, you know, um, supplement that has to come with the food. So the, uh, the, the, the Fatiha has to be there because that is going to give you the biggest boost and the most benefit. But then after that, you can read any part of the Quran and it should be assumed that you would choose the, the Quran that you enjoy, that you see some connection with. Not just, because it's the easiest. You know, it's again, it's one of those things, just pick up whatever's available and just put it in. It's more about picking part of the Quran that you would find. And that's why we've give, been given an option there. That is your option. You can use that to you read any part of the Quran that you think is going to really make you feel connected and make this 
salat even more special and then after that the ruku and the sujood and so on so then going back to this he says that lamma alima minka wujud al-malal lawwana alay lawwana lak at-ta'at when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that malal malal means to become weary with something to become tired about uh, uh, with something to become bored with something maybe to give up on something and think i've done too much of it already right to kind of get tired lose the freshness lose the vitality lose the vigor lose the interest that's what it means when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that our natures were based on that that's why he made worships <coughs> in many forms for you he made he allowed you to worship in many different ways as he's translated it here he he has varied the acts of obedience for you so you can do different things and then he's and then he says and since he knows of the existence of impulsiveness in you he has limited them to specific times we'll look at that second part later it's from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's benevolence and his perfect choice and choosing his perfect design in other sense for for us that when he knew that we wouldn't be able to stay away from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where we won't feel comfortable in remaining away from remembering allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being in his presence when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of his benevolence and his perfect choice for us when he knew that we wouldn't be able to stay away from him for too long meaning stay away from him means whenever away from him but stay away from him in terms of our uh, presence then he will make you witness to what is manifest from him his signs will be manifest to you now you might be thinking that doesn't seem like my state that doesn't seem like our state so <clears throat> this is the state of the arifin the state of the arifin is that they constantly want to be witnessing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's why if you look at the state of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam when the wahi the wahi which was a very special connection and a message communication with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when that had stopped for those uh, uh, the, the, uh, for those years then you can imagine how he felt you can imagine how he felt he felt like he'd been forsaken right so if a person is uh, who's at the level of having witnessed the presence of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being very close to him then suddenly doesn't then you can imagine so when he knew that that's not going to be the case that you're not going to have sabr from it and when he or when the haq ta'ala subhanahu wa ta'ala also knew for, about his servants who those who are not able to witness him right those who are not able to witness him yet right those who are still on the beginning of the path then ashghalahu bi khidmatihi he has occupied them with his khidma so that by doing the khidma you'll get to the presence so he has <clears throat> occupied them with his khidma and but then when he knew that in doing a certain type of khidma and service if it's the same one over and over and over again you would become weary and tired and bored with it he made that form of obedience that khidma and that form of obedience in many varied styles because it's the nature of the nafs that it gets tired when something the same thing happens over and over and over again you have the most sumptuous food and you have it three times in a row you will get tired of it though you are dying to have it in the beginning right you will get tired of it 
you know, there's something you like, you go and find it on offer and you buy lots of it and you're really excited about it, a particular type of sweet cookie, breakfast, whatever it is, you will get tired of it eventually until you give it some respite. And then after that, you get the same kind of vigor about it again. Same thing happens with music. You know, this is why they do these things so many times over. And this is just the nature of the human being, when the recitation, anything. This is obviously for people who are generally focused on the outer form of it. It applies to them even more than the person who are able to focus on the ruh of it. Because those people who are focused on the ruh of it, they're going beyond the zahir. They're getting the same kind of nourishment because regardless of what they do, they're getting the same kind of nourishment because they're getting the presence. <clears throat> That's why a person who is on medication doesn't complain about his medication and cannot complain because his focus is not the bitterness of the medication or the pleasure of the medication. It's actually about what he's getting from that medication. So regardless of whether he likes it or not, he's going to have to take it. But of course, the ibadah, once a person gets to the level of mushahada, is definitely not as, uh, not, not having to, it's not like having to tolerate medicine. There is a special benefit uh, that, that comes about it. So it's totally opposed to having medicine. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala varied his form of worship on you. So if you get tired in salat, mathalan, then you will then turn to remembering him otherwise, doing some form of dhikr. When you get tired of sitting down and doing dhikr, then you will start reading the Qur'an. Likewise, you will find that this is different. This really, really applies, especially in Ramadan, because in Ramadan, we're a bit more focused on trying to occupy more of our time with worship. So this advice will really help in Ramadan as well. So the types of adhkar are abundant. And tanakkul, which means moving from one to the next, moving from one thing to the next, that is among those things which help to invigorate a person. And it clearly does. It invigorates you to move from one thing to the next. That's why even in classes, they have a part of a subject each day. They don't have the same subject just on Monday. All of science will be covered on Monday for the week. right? They will give you a bit every day of something. So, ibadah, now, the, this is a rule that worship with vigor and freshness and vitality, even if it's less ibadah in number, is going to be superior than the worship that's done with laziness, even if that is abundant. So, again, we go back to the food. They say eat small, little amount, but healthy and good food than eating lots of junk. I hate to give that parallel, but... Basically, in our worship, we need to do, if we do less, uh, obviously the fara'id, but we do it, we focus on it well, then that's better than doing lots. I mean, for many of us, lots doesn't even come into the picture. You know, whether that be with laziness or freshness, it doesn't make a difference. We're still on doing less with laziness. So can you imagine how bad our state is, where he's saying that even lots with laziness isn't compared to a small amount with freshness. So, لَيْسَ الْعِبْرَةُ بِكَثْرَةِ الْحِسِّ وَإِنَّمَ الْعِبْرَةُ بِوُجُودِ الْمَعْنَى The point here is that what is important is not having lots of the form, but more of the spirit, more of the reality. Sheikh Zarruq says, the reason why he has varied the forms of worship for us is for three reasons. Number one, this is His mercy. Because 
the human nature is that a person will find more vitality by moving from one type to the next. Number one, which is a point from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is to establish the hujjah on us, establish the proof on us. I gave you many different forms of worship. You didn't do them. Even the salat is not one form, it's varied. You didn't do it. You got bored of this, you, you don't have that complaint. Number two, <clears throat> this is a very subtle point. If you've got options, and you've been told to do it with any of those options, meaning the extra nawafil, etc., the extra optional, optional worships, then this is also psychologically to give us the feeling that we are in charge. We are doing something. And to take out the idea of fatalism that I have to, if it's just one way, I have to just do it. But here I've got a choice. So I'm doing something. So it feels like there's some sense of accomplishment. It becomes easier when you want to do something for yourself than when somebody obligates you to do something. When you have a choice, you can do any of these, but just do one of them. You need to read your two suparas a day of the Quran. You read in the morning. Or you could read in the afternoon, or you could read it in the evening. You just have to do them, but you have to make sure you do them anytime. It feels a bit better than you have to do it at this time. It just feels a bit better. So that's <clears throat> that much is understood. Now the next part he's saying is, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that we also have impulsiveness, where we do things in haste, where we just go and do something and just finish it off, right? <clears throat> Without really focusing on its meaning, then he hasn't he has prevented it from being done at all times and he has restricted it for certain times only so when sometimes it's part of boredom and weariness that sometimes a person will just do something quickly just to get it over and done with that sh demands generally that you be allowed to do things anytime the nafs would like to do it anytime but you're not allowed to you're made to wait sometimes. Imagine if you could pray all five daily prayers at once for the day. A lot of people would either delay them all to the night, which would probably be the majority, and some would, would just do it all in the morning. So you can tell because for those who are allowed to do jama' and for those who are not allowed to do jama' and that still do, they, they do it. They, they don't pray at different times, even if they can. You know, you're at a conference. You're going to be there for Asr. There's going to be a Jama'ah at the conference. Still, I've seen most people will pray their Dhuhr and Asr together because that option is there. Even though Asr time, we're going to have another Jama'ah. But they're going to speak at that time. They're going to sit and, you know, whereas they know it's afdal in all madhahib to pray Salat at its own time. This is only a Rukhsa. And it's not one of those Rukhsa that you have to take. So, can you imagine if you could pray all five prayers at once? I believe one of the Shia groups or something, they do that. They're allowed to do jama of all five prayers or something like that. We're only allowed to do two and two. They're allowed to do more than that, I think. So imagine that. So that's why when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that impulsiveness within us, He prevented it in certain times. There are three benefits in restricting worships to different times. One is to control the impulsiveness aspect. If it was allowed at any time, then the nafs would just deal with it with this kind of impulsiveness. They won't look forward to something. It'll just have to be done right now. It can be done right now or it'll be just totally delayed. So it'll lead to one of the extremes. You won't be able to regulate yourself. Very few people will be able to do so. 
Number two, you'll procrastinate. Because I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, which is another normal human problem. And number three is a person would not do it with proper regularity and focus, with proper ceremony. Just do it at any time. But Salat requires a ceremony. Can you imagine it that if they're saying that even the most basic of food tastes better because of ceremony with it? Can you imagine Salat with proper ceremony, which is required from us? Starting from the wudu, starting from the focus, starting from what the Sahaba used to do, I am standing at my, you know, sirat. And so this is all ceremony. Then can you imagine what that would, Im- how that would um, improve it? If, carrot, if a carrot can be improved so much. And then he said, لِيَكُونَ هَمُّكَ إِقَامَةَ الصَّلَاةِ لَا وُجُودَ الصَّلَاةِ So although he was speaking about the general idea of having very different types of worship, he's then tuned in on salat because that's the most important worship. And he says, the example he gives of salat, but obviously applies to everything else. He says, so that, he did all of this because... So that your whole focus and your whole concern will be the performance of the prayer. What a great performance, they say. It's not just a normal drive, that's a performance. When it's special, it's called a performance. If it's just a random, it's not a performance. It's just random play, you know. But a performance is especially focused, choreographed, you know. So your focus then becomes the performance of the prayer, not just the existence of the prayer, however it may be. Unfortunately, that's our state. A prayer should come into existence, somehow or the other. And generally it happens with autopilot because we're so professional about it. So the reason why Salat has been spaced out like that and not allowed at different times, in the Salata, كَانَتْ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابًا مَوْقُوتًا uh, and the Hanafis seem to be the closest to that in their understanding of, you know, no jama in general. Um, he says that the secret in that is so that there there should be a, a desire of the nafs towards the next salat. A friend of mine who who was a Shafi'i, he's become a Hanafi now because he's originally from the subcontinent, but somehow he, he was a Shafi'i. Um, he, he he mentioned that when I do jama on my travels, I don't feel nice the next prayer time because I'm not praying anything there. But clearly he's somebody who's got ishtiyak towards a prayer. He's got some interest towards a prayer. It's not like, oh, I've got it out of there. I don't have to worry about it anymore. There's two perspectives, aren't there? When you have to look forward to it, then when you end up doing that third prayer, for example, you will feel comfort after doing it. You got your fix of the day. You, then you'll obviously have more khushu and hudur and Qurratul Ain. When a person does eventually do it, he will find comfort in it. You'll have the presence, you'll have the concentration, you'll have the reverence, and also you'll have the coolness of the eyes. There is a special status in Salat which is only reserved for the highest performers in this, which is called the state of Qurratul Ayun, Qurratul Ain, coolness of the eyes. As opposed to if it was something that you'd have to do all the time, you won't have the same kind of desire towards it. And obviously, many times people will become bored of it as well. And eventually what will happen is that you'll just perform the form of it. The heart will not be in it. 
That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constantly reminds us in the Quran, in the hadith, in the Prophet that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't look at your forms or your actions, but He looks at your state of the heart. He does look at our actions, we have to do them. But here he's talking about the purpose is that it's the, it's the hearts which have to be looked at here. لَيْسَ الشَّأْنُ حَرْكَةُ الْأَشْبَاهِ The whole point is not to just move the bodies, move the forms. إِنَّمَا الشَّأْنُ خُضُوءُ الْأَرْوَاحِ The real point is that the, 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 the souls submit themselves. The soul is part of it. فَالسِرُّ فِي تَحْجِيرِ الصَّلَاةِ عَنْكَ فِي بَعْضِ الْأَوْكَاتِ يَكُنْ هَمُّكَ إِقَامَةَ الصَّلَاةِ So that the secret here in preventing you from praying at certain times and regulating it is that you are, it's the performance of the prayer that you do, which is to make it firmly itqan, to make it firmly and properly. And وَالْقِيَامُ بِحُقُوكِهَا الظَّاهِرَ وَالْبَاطِنَ And to fulfill its outer and inward forms. لَا وُجُودَ الصَّلَاةِ not just that some salad comes into being without you having properly performed it. That's nothing, that's empty, devoid corpses. That's a devoid, empty corpse. And it is closer to being punishable. One of the scholars said, salat means to make sure you fulfill all of its rights and limits while also protecting the inner part which means to be constantly in focus with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that no other no other thought comes to pass that's what we're trying to aim at Umar ibn Abdul Aziz who wrote to some of his to some of his governors ministers around the country and he told them I mean he's a king he should be focused on uh, establishing rule and law, which he is, but he knows that at the bottom of that is this. So this is what he said. This is why in two years and four months he had so much success, because his focus was slightly different. He says, "Inna ahmi umurikum indi as-salah." Sounds like a tablighi, right? That uh, verily the the most important and crucial matter of yours, according to me, is salat. فَمَنْ حَفِظَهَا وَحَافَظَ عَلَيْهَا because anybody who is mindful of it and really fulfills all of its proper rights regularly, then for anything other than it, he's also going to be focused. It's a form of training. If that's what you're focused on, that you'll be focused on everything as well. But anybody who squanders it, then he's going to be squandering other things even more because there's no accountability there. And the final point he makes, فَمَا كُلُّ مُصَلِّ مُقِيمٌ Not everybody who's praying is actually performing. You know, you say like somebody, that, that wasn't a performance. He just did it. He just went through it. He was tired. He didn't really perform well that day. Same kind of thing. The reason is that iqama, literally speaking, is ikmal and itqan to do something completely and properly and firmly that's what it means iqama means that's why that, that's the case for example he says aqama fulanun darahu that person did iqama of his house in arabic that's the term used which means he completes it and he makes it nice he puts in it everything that it is required iqamatu salat then would mean the same thing that you have to put into it everything that has to be from it 
and if a person has any problems with their prayer then there's not they're not doing iqam they're not doing iqamatus salah now if you look at the hadith and the quran and the way it has told us to do this you will understand where we're going wrong so for example um in some hadith it says man lam tanhahu salatuhu anil fahsha'i wal munkar lam tazidhu min allahi illa bu'dan Anybody whose salat is not going to, uh, anybody whose salat does not prevent him from immorality and wrongs, then he is only going to increase in distance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's one or the other, which is very frightening. Another hadith says that Ida Salla Abd Falam Yutimu Ruku'aha wala sujudaha wala khushu'aha luffat kama yulaf thobul khalaq or khalik thuma yudarbu biha wajhu. Anybody whose salat, uh, any any servant who performs his salat but does not fully do his ruku and sujood. Why are you saying sujood and ruku? Because generally that's where most of the problem starts from. Or that's the biggest expression of the, the, the problems is the ruku and sujood quickly just bounce up and down. Whereas in standing you have to stand properly, right? And uh, the, the khushu, then it's wrapped up just like an old cloth is just kind of scrunched up. It's not wrapped up. Wrapping is honorable. Uh, scrunched up. Just like an old clock is, uh, cloth is scrunched up, and biha wajhu, and then it, it's flung back on the person's face. If only we could feel that each time, then we would know. Okay, this time I don't want to feel it like that. So there's lots of people who pray, but very few people who actually perform the prayer. There's lots of people who have the form, but there's very few people who have the heart in the prayer. That's why. Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi al-Mu'afiri rahimahullah says that I've seen those people who uh, I've seen thousands of people who are regularly praying yeah, I can't even count how many people but very few people who actually regularly focus on the reverence and the humbleness and the focus that is that, that, that is needed then that, that is very difficult Abu al-Abbas al-Mursi says that if you look at the Quran and you look at every time where it's spoken about salat, every time where musalluna mentioned in a praiseworthy way, that these are the people who pray, whenever people who perform salat are mentioned in a praiseworthy sense, it's always going to be about iqamatus salah, muqimus salah. When it's not in a praiseworthy sense, it's just musallun. It's just musallun. Musalli means a person who's praying. So it seems like iqama, the muqim aspect, is the most important. That's why, for example, Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah, This is a praiseworthy place. Those people who believe in the ghayb and establish the prayer, they are the successful ones. Oh Allah, make me of those who pray, who establish the prayer. Establish the prayer. Again, another praise is establish the prayer. Muqimis salati, another place. In Surah Al-Hajj, Surah Al-Tawbah, Surah Ibrahim. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then speaks about people who pray with negligence and heedlessness and without thought, He says, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ Not فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُقِيمِينَ But فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ Which in Surah Al-Ma'oon, as you know, woe be upon those who pray but who are negligent about their prayer. Khushu in Salat is of three types and we mention this because it, it just to uh, check where we are in this the first one is Khushu'un Khushu'u khawfin wankisarin wa idhlalin it's having that kind of reverence based on fear humility and submission 
do you feel this reverence based on my humility towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fear that is for the general people who are ubbad and zuhad who are cut away from the world focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the second stage uh, another stage is khushu'u ta'zeemin wa haybatin wa ijlalin this is a higher stage it's not just based on fear and submission it's not just based on fear and submission it's based on khushu'u ta'zeemin magnifying Allah awe of Allah and recognizing His majesty it's that kind of reverence that comes about so the focus is not about I'm so low but it's more about how great is Allah so in the first one the person has recognized himself he hasn't still recognized Allah yet in this one they've recognized Allah and now his focus is Allah now which is better third one this one is the reverence of satisfaction, happiness, and full attention. This is for the wasilin min al-arifin. The second one was for the muridin as-salikin. The people who get on the path, they start... You see, in the path, what does it teach you? It teaches the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then that's why they've got that kind of focus. The third one are the people who've reached, who've acquired... <coughs> their focus now is happiness they feel a sense of happiness so you do get that pleasure but it comes after a while it comes at this level this one is called Qurratul Uyun this one is called the gladness of the eyes that's why the Prophet ﷺ was saying the gladness of my eyes has been placed in prayer he had that high status of course According to the Sufis, any salat that is devoid of khushu and hudur, it's batil according to the Sufis. And it's not maqbul according to the ulama. It's fard is maqbul, but not otherwise, the thawab, etc. The example, the final example he gives is that if you've got this tree in your backyard that has certain fruits on it, whether that be figs or whatever, birds are attracted to it, insects are attracted to it. They're going to be constantly attacking that. You'll never be free. You'll always have to be preserving it, protecting it. The only way you can be free is to cut that tree off. Then you don't have to worry about anything. Then you don't have to worry about soiling your garden or anything. Until you got that tree, you'll benefit from it, but you also have to protect it. There's no way. You'll have to pesticide. You have to do all of these things. Whatever you do, put a net around it, shoo it away, use gadgets, whatever, whatever it is. Same thing with our life. Same thing with our life. This is a wonderful example that, you know, same thing with our life. We're constantly going to have to be, it's never going to be smooth sailing. There's always going to have to be some concern about us being attacked by the shaitan and our nafs. It constantly is going to be an issue. The only time there will not be anymore is when we die, when the nafs is gone, finished. So essentially, realize that this is a lifelong struggle we're going to have to do and make good of it for the time that we have. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك ذات الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث سبحان الله العلي الأعلى الوهاب والله accept our good deeds والله forgive us our sins والله forgive us our sins والله purify our hearts والله forgive us our sins والله remove the obstacles from our path والله remove the obstacles from our path to reach you to have the true presence in our salat, in our worship. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, make us true muqeemin as-salah. O oh Allah, make us true performance of the salah. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we've had this long life in which 
our salat has been here and there. Our salat has not been up to the standard that is required to fulfill your rights. Oh Allah, oh Allah, make us of those who pray and whose salat is not thrown back at their face. Oh Allah, oh Allah, on the day of judgment, it will be such a state of loss if all of our salats have been had been like that in our in our daily life. Oh Allah, allow us to rectify ourselves. Allow us to rectify ourselves before our death. Oh Allah, allow us to rectify ourselves before our death. Oh Allah, allow us to allow us to become close to you before our death. Oh Allah, allow us to get a curb on our nafs and our desires before our death. Oh Allah, forgive us our sins. Forgive our sins that we've done openly and blatantly or secretly. Oh Allah, those that we think that we have successfully done. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you forgive all of our sins, those we remember, those we have forgotten, the big ones, the small ones. Oh Allah, oh Allah, all sins of ours have been great because we should have recognized your mercy. We, could, we should have recognized your greatness, your majesty. Oh Allah, but we know that you're the merciful one, so we ask that you will forgive us our, our deeds, our bad deeds. Oh Allah, oh Allah, you yourself have said, and called out to those who have committed excesses against themselves as still being your servants. Oh Allah, we this is what we are focused on this aspect that you have said. Oh my servants who have transgressed against themselves, do not become despondent of your mercy. Oh Allah, we are not we don't want to be despondent of your mercy. We want you to assist us and help us and have mercy on us in all of our states. In all of our states, protect us and our children and our progeny. Oh Allah, grant us beneficial knowledge. Grant us beneficial knowledge. Oh Allah, grant us beneficial knowledge and actions and deeds which are accepted. Oh Allah, protect us from useless acts, wasting time. Oh Allah, grant us the true focus in our salat and in our worship. And make this month of Ramadan that is coming a source of closeness to you, a source of closeness to you, a source of closeness to you. Oh Allah, grant us your wilaya, grant us your wilaya. Oh Allah, grant us your wilaya. Oh Allah, make us of those who are satisfied to meet with you and who are looking forward and eager to meet with you and make the best of the days the day that we stand in front of you. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you grant abundant salawat and your mercy on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun alal mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.